All right. Hi, everybody. It is uh, Friday, the 10th of April, 2020, and my name is Luke Thomas. This is episode 28 of the Luke Thomas live chat. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Ah, you know what? I got to do this, don't I? There we go. Um, I think I re-enabled the super chat. I'm not entirely certain. I tried. So if you don't see it, maybe refresh your page to get it up. Uh, if you don't already know, now you will. Uh, all proceeds from the super chat for the last week of March and the entire month here, plus the yesterday's videos at general ad revenue, um, all of that will go to charity. Um, I think I'm going to give it. I've not fully decided yet. Um, I said I was going to have one for you because I thought I had decided on like um, there's a team Rubicon. And they employ veterans to hand out stuff, but it, I can't find one that does it locally. And I'm trying to see if there's like a local chapter of it. Um, but for sure, I'll know by next week. And uh, I will also make a donation on top of that. So any money you give um, in the form of you know, watching the ads or donating is really appreciated. And it will all go to charity. And I really, I, I, I thank you. Uh, thank everyone who's participated. Um, of course, I'm the host of Luke Thomas Show on SiriusXM. And I'm the host of... Uh, uh, one of the hosts of Morning Combat on um, Showtime Digital. So without further ado, let's get this started. All right. Um, hi, everybody. Let me put this up here as well. Um, please subscribe. You know what? Let me do this. Let me do this. For just a second. Uh, please like the video. And subscribe to the channel, uh, if you don't mind. I always appreciate that when folks do. Um, helps out a lot. Thanks to everyone who watched yesterday. Thanks to everyone who has participated. Um, and, uh, yeah, so please, thumbs up on the video. Subscribe. Hit the notification bell and tell a friend about the chat. Okay, with that out of the way, let me say one thing here, if I can, um, before we get going. It's been a very strange week. It's been a strange week for all of us in, uh, in, in a variety of different ways. Um, I do not think that this is a week that MMA won. I don't think it's a week that MMA media won. I don't think it's a week where MMA fans won. I don't think anybody won in any of this, um, to be honest with you. Um, certain ideas about what the appropriate policy should be won out over other ones, but the success of those is nothing more than just avoiding calamity. It's not like some kind of grand reward. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. We just avoid the worst of a potential disaster. That's it. That's the only thing you get. But before we get to any of that stuff, um, I wanted to make that clear. But second, let me just say this. To anyone who watches this YouTube channel and provides feedback and provides, you know, if you've ever donated, or even if you haven't, but to anyone who just supports the efforts of this channel... If I don't say this enough, then let me say it now. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who watches this. Thank you to everyone who helps make this a platform. Thank you to everybody who has given me an opportunity to pursue some creative projects here. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I don't know that I say that often enough. I try to. Uh, if I haven't, I apologize. But I wanted to start today's chat um, in a time when MMA, as I mentioned, is not really winning right now. No one's really winning, but certainly not MMA. Finding a little space in your day to express gratitude, no matter how small or big it may be, is probably a good idea, right? 
probably can't hurt. So let me take a moment to express that gratitude and to you say thank you. Thank you very much for enabling me to have a platform like this to speak to you, to speak to the sport, to speak to anyone who wants to listen, whether you agree or disagree. I just appreciate the opportunity, to be quite honest with you, because all you can ask for is an opportunity. I have one here, and I'm incredibly indebted and incredibly grateful to all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And... Um, if I'm not doing an eloquent job in explaining its significance, it's because there's a lot going on in my mind and a lot going on in the world. But, um, but just know that I, I care and I value it and you matter and it is you collectively that makes this possible. So thank you very much. Okay. By the way, if you're wondering what the running total is, um, I don't have any information about yesterday's ads. That will take some time to to show up usually a day or two and then even then it can grow from there. So I don't really know what the numbers are for that, but for the first two, um, live chats, the total take home thus far, cause uh, YouTube takes a cut after everything, but the total take home after that is 500. So my hope is two more of these, three more of these will put us over the thousand dollar mark. And then the ads from yesterday's will put us well over it. So I don't know if 2000 is doable. That might be way too high of a, of a thing. I, I mean, I'd love to see what you guys donate today. We'll have to see. Um, but it, it might be possible. I think it's probably the high end. And as I mentioned, I will contribute as well. Um, but it's possible. And so, you know, that's not the end. I mean, look, McGregor's out here donating millions. But, you know, as he also mentioned, any bit matters. And then collectively being able to use that, I think, is, um, well, it's better than nothing, I suppose, right? Okay. Without further ado, let's get to your questions. Um, if you're new to this and you don't know, I post these on every um, Thursday at around this time. And um, I let you guys have it and what you guys like we respond to and what you guys don't, we don't. All right, make sure this is sorted properly. Uh, what is the latest news on the Reebok deal? It's going to be up soon. Yeah, I think sometime in 2021. So will we see fighters in Nike, Adidas perhaps, or do they return to the old school model? Boy, that's a really great question. Um, so I talked to Joe Lazan about this. Joe has been somebody who has been a little bit more receptive to the values of the Reebok deal. Um, you know, I disagree with some of his assessments, but, you know, Joe's a smart guy and I think also tries to put his best foot forward in things. And he had told me he had been to, you know, He's had many meetings with folks at Reebok's facility, which I think is based out of Boston, not far from where he is. And um, in any event, he had talked to them and, and, and you know, given feedback and people, fighters like this and they need that. But also he had sort of, I mean, I don't think anyone told him anything specifically, but he had gotten the sense that they, they had no intention of re-upping. Now, maybe things have changed. I think a lot of the heat on Reebok has died down. I think that... You know, we've seen the fighters um, through that ordeal, through television renegotiation, through even this week, where the answer, in, you know, my, my view was not to have them fight in the middle of a pandemic, but rather just give them money. Uh, and they tried to align, it seemed, their interests with the UFC um, questionably using their labor in a very difficult time. 
So I don't know that there would be much blowback if they did a secondary deal. There was a ton the first time. But Joe had told me, this was a while ago, this might be a year or two ago, that at the time Reebok had zero interest. As I mentioned, things have changed. Plus, they lost CrossFit, you know? So uh, could they, CrossFit and UFC were like their biggest clients. Could they really deal with losing UFC 2? We'll have to see, but it, it creates for an interesting situation to be sure. Let me pull this over because I can barely see this thing. All right, here we go. That's better. Uh, now that UFC 249 has officially been canceled, can we say that this was the most volatile week in terms of shifting conditions and storylines in MMA history? Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Who has? I mean, even if you talk about UFC 12 that got moved in the last minute, doesn't compare to this. And it, this is such a unique bit of territory too, right? I mean, this is what I, you know, as I said, dude, like nobody won this week, man. Nobody won. I know some folks think MMA media got what they wanted. They didn't get shit. Like, in the words of Chris Rock, I can go to my mailbox. Where's my cancellation prize? Oh, wait, there isn't one. What the fuck did we win? We won another week where there's going to be no event to cover. That's what we won. But the whole point was it, you're trying to cover for uh, what could be a calamitous situation that you're trying to avoid. That's it. All you did was you don't have to worry about calamity. Everything else is still trouble. Like, I got to do 10 to 15 hours of radio next week. How the fuck am I going to do that? I'll have to figure that out later. But um, when you mentioned volatile, I, I've never seen the community quite like this eat at each other. You know, where fighters were kind of split about whether they wanted to do it, and some were adamant that they did. You saw today managers coming out, like, to all the media, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, threatening me with lack of interviews. <laughs> You're not going to get very far with that. I, I, I turn them down more than I request them. So I don't care about that, but just that, that they would react that way is kind of interesting. And then, you know, for the Wall Street Journal to get involved, and then the New York Times to get involved, and then the governor of California to get involved, and sitting senators to get involved. I mean, this is like John McCain era UFC stuff. You just and on Native American territory, it's like, dude, time is a flat circle. This was an ugly week for the sport, to be quite honest with you. It was pretty ugly. It was just a. It was a thing that really couldn't and probably shouldn't, or no, rather, could have probably, but um, shouldn't have been done. Ultimately, obviously, it's not. And the way that it exposed fault lines in the sport is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Really wild. I've, done, I've, I've certainly have not lived through something like this. And I've lived through many cards where they lost the main and the co-main on the same day. Or, you know, the whole, you guys remember when John Jones made his comeback against Gustafson, they just moved it to a different state and all that. That was pretty crazy. This is a whole new level, man, where the world is shut down and you're trying to find, you know, a crack in the pavement to, to, to move through. And uh, they might have been able to do it, but, you know, we've litigated this one a million times. But I think the, the thing that sort of concerns me is some of the rifts that have been caused this week across different groups, typically along MMA media groups, it's going to have lasting effect. I don't know how long, but it's going to have lasting effect. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It'll be very interesting. Do you believe that 9-11 was an inside job? I'm not. Please don't come to me with that shit. Uh, who is more likely to become a champion, Dan Hooker, Islam Makachev, or Charles Oliveira? 
Ooh. I would say Hooker. Hooker's got your greatest potential. Makachev is still developing, so we're going to have to see. He's obviously got tremendous ability. Oliveira has really worked on ironing out the problems in his game, which you cannot take lightly. Uh, at the same time, I still wonder about the... like. It's one thing to get rid of a lot of your weaknesses. It's another to grow your strengths. And I've seen his strengths obviously get better. Um, but the real thing that has been the, the dramatic growth for me has been his... Um, how he smooths out some of his striking, yes. But his defense, just in general, has gotten better. His, his MMA defense in general has gotten way better. And that's a total testament to him. I just don't know how what that does for ultimately. Like, to me, getting that part right is essential for any kind of career growth. On the other hand, it's not sufficient by itself to put you in the space of a potential title contender. I think that's the difference. So Makachev, we'll see how he's developing. Hooker, I think, um, you know, obviously he had trouble with Edson Barboza, but he appears to be the real deal. Um, you could argue Felder beat him, but Felder's up there, with, you know, is a great, great fighter himself. So of the three, I'd probably say Hooker, but with Makachev being like kind of like that dark horse, you know. Uh, where do I donate? So you'll answer my question of what was a rumor Nick Diaz opponent so crazy you couldn't tell? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, there's no, I, I'll, you know what? Get me to 300k subs. I'll tell you that one. Folks were asking, "What? What? Well, I do at 200k." Someone was asking, like, most embarrassing story, dude. I've got you. There's no way your embarrassing story is as good as the one I have, and it's about me. Yes, of course, taking the world's biggest L, uh, in, a, in a funny way too. You would love it. You got to get me to 200k though. That's the deal. You get me to 200k, I will do a video about how I took the world's biggest L, and it was in the Marine Corps too. Oh, God, what a terrible day that was. <laughs> that was a really bad day. Funny, but a really bad day. Um, hey, Luke, I noticed yesterday that Ariel took a pretty firm stance against UFC 249 taking place, which surprised me because he was put under the mouse's umbrella. Uh, excuse, me, excuse me. Since he's been under the mouse's umbrella, he's been more of a cheerleader, this person writes. Uh, I was wondering if anyone in the MMA world or otherwise surprised you with their opinion on the matter. Uh, this person writes, I'm grateful you've been so outspoken about the subject. It seems like most people are trying to minimize the seriousness of the situation we are now in. And it's relieving to see you use the platform available to you in a responsible manner. Well, first of all, I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, I've not seen what Ariel said. I don't really watch ESPN very much. Well, dude, who is watching ESPN these days? Do you see their viewership has like plummeted 40%? I mean, I'll flip past that on YouTube TV, and I'm like, it's like 1986, Duke versus, you know, Kansas. And I'm like, mm, do I really care about that? No. Or, you know, they have a lot of UFC marathons on, too, but I'd rather just go to my computer and watch. I don't know. Teach his own. But I did not see what he said. I'm glad to hear that. That's great to hear. Um, has anyone surprised you with their opinion on the matter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. Opinions have shifted even from people I've spoken to. So if I talked to them three weeks ago and then I talked to them this week, their opinions had shifted. Um, there were some regulators behind the scenes who I spoke to to get some more information that at first did not seem to think that uh, coronavirus was all that seriously. And then more recently, their opinions had shifted. Um, 
you know, as I mentioned on my video, the No Moss video, there were some fighters I had heard through the grapevine that were kind of bitter that they thought I was trying to argue that they should not be entitled to money. When in fact, as I've said, the argument has always been, yes, delay the show and then immediately put money in the hands of fighters. Like, like no delay. Uh, and I was sort of lamenting the fact that that somehow, probably my fault, um, had gotten lost. So to the extent that those fighters felt that way, I guess I was surprised. Uh, I've been over that a million times. I'm not going to go over it again, but that would that would be one. Um, you know, it was disappointing, but understandable, totally understandable, that if you get your paycheck from the U- like here's this was the problem I really had with some of it. You know, Dana White's like um, everyone at UFC is so locked in. Let me explain to you how I hear about and from UFC employees who were not in favor of any of that stuff that happened. This idea that like that whole building was all gung-ho and for it is simply not true. Now, like any other place, opinion was mixed. But you should just know the idea that everyone on staff thought it was a great idea, not the case. Not the case at all, okay? So that's the first part about it. But this is this is what you have to understand. I mean, listen to Rogan sort of trying to delicately wrestle with it, where it, when when if, if your leadership doesn't take the appropriate course of action, it forces down the chain a series of um, compromises that people who don't want to follow along with that then have to make. And sometimes that's just, you know, especially in the military, that's just the way that it goes. The leader makes the call, you know, your job is not to say why, but to do or die, right? So you can understand it in that particular situation. But here you could hear, and I don't want to speak for him, but it just seemed to me, you know, guys like Michael Bisping seem to be very troubled by the state of uh, what the disease was doing to people and how widespread it was and how um, people weren't taking it seriously enough. And then on the other hand, sort of getting out there and you know, defending the UFC. And maybe he felt that way. I don't want to speak for Michael, but I saw it from John Anik too, and I don't want to speak for John. But it just felt like to me like these guys were like really advocating for hardcore, you know, taking this seriously, social distancing. And then, you know, I saw John Anik being like, you know, I trust UFC ultimately to do the right thing. And it's like, I don't, the point about the safety protocol that they had developed is it may have been good. Um, I tend to think that it probably wasn't, but no one really knows. But that is, that's the reason to give you pause. It's totally unproven in the middle of a pandemic. Like we're not even on the other side of it yet. And so because it is unproven and it was developed in short order by a promotion, not a regulatory body, however much medical input there might have been, questions remain about its, its, its viability. And if it fails, the consequences could be catastrophic for the sport, right? Just from a PR standpoint, that could be really bad. Uh, and so erring on the side of caution is what you have to do there. And it's like, well, I trust the UFC to, to do the right thing. I think certainly the position, the, the protocol they had put in place as it was announced to the, to the world, was, was, was a huge step up from UFC Brasilia and what they had planned for UFC London, which was zero COVID testing, like literally nothing. And it's like, you know, do, do I really want to give the benefit of the doubt to an organization who, absent this current crazy situation, <clears throat> has in general been a leading light as it relates to health and safety? For those ones, for those considerations, weight cutting and everything else, UFC deserves all the praise in the world, and I will continue to give it to them for that. I think the USADA stuff is heavy-handed. I'm not going to relitigate that. We've had those discussions. But when, he, when Dana White's like, you know, health and safety is a thing that we do, in general, what he's saying is quite true. 
But the problem is this situation is so fluid. We're discovering new things about the disease every day. We just don't even know what safe is. So making these rules about treadmills and saunas in the room and and uh, test you before, test you when you get there, that sounds pretty good. Certainly it's a lot better than what anyone else can do. But that we don't know if that's enough, man. And so when you get out there and you have these employees who this is their dream job and they don't want to say anything, they get forced into these like compromised situations where they have to make arguments that on their face don't really hold up to a great degree of scrutiny. Um, oh, I trust the UFC to do the right thing. Well, I trust them to do a lot more than they did before. But you know, remember, I played the audio from one of my videos. They had, he'd already counted UFC Brasilia as one show that was successful. They had no COVID-19 testing. I know some folks are like, well, did anyone get sick from there? We have no idea. We have no idea. We don't know if someone got it, was asymptomatic, and gave it to somebody else. We don't know if someone got sick and didn't tell us. Um, and even if they didn't, like taking that kind of risk seems inadvisable. Like there's just a lot of ways, man, where, you know, um, I don't, I wouldn't count that as a success actually. Uh, even if you got away with one, so to speak. So it's been, un, you know, it's been unusual to see some of the outpouring. Um, there's also been coaches I've spoken to who privately have expressed like serious reservation and like, you know, what the fuck and. And then, you know, they'll go and talk to the media and it'll be a completely different tone. That's been a little weird. But my phone has been hit up by a lot of fighters who, you know, also hated every part of this. Um, some who were booked in the cards, some who weren't. Some who just couldn't believe it. So, uh, it's been a crazy one. Like I said, not a great week for MMA, I don't think. Not a great week. Do you think Miocic would rather fight Nganu again or Cormier? All right, well, that's interesting. Uh, let's see. He's beaten them both, and he's only lost to Cormier. So probably Cormier for a couple of reasons. One, because they're one and one. With Francis, what do you have to gain by beating him again? And by the way, he's going to be much better this time, in all likelihood. Um, hold on a second. You'll hear my kid. You want to see my kid? Hang on a second. Say hi. You want to say hi? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> you want to say hi? Hi. Hi. Yeah. Can you say hi? Watch this. Let's see if she does it. Beso. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hi da. Hi da. What's that mean? What's that mean? You're drooling, kid. Come on. Your mouth. Okay, okay, okay. You want to come get her? Please, Porfa. Say hi. Say wave. Wave. Say bye. Bye. There we go. Thank you. Gracias. All right, there we are. Hope that brightens your day a little bit. Always brightens mine. To answer the question about that, Cormier has got to be the answer. One bigger pot. You know, bigger pot to uh, collect the money from. You're unproven, well, not unproven, but you're even. 
And Francis is probably a lot better than he was before. And what do you have to do? What do you have to win by beating him again? So probably Cormier. Uh, Luke, why is Brett Okamoto getting the inside scoops before Ariel? You mean like from from UFC? Probably because they like him a lot <laughs> a lot better. I mean, is that is that some kind of secret? You know, we all know that Dana doesn't like doesn't like me, doesn't like jo- like Josh Gross. You know, all different levels, I'm sure, but doesn't like, doesn't like Ariel. I mean, that's not that's not you know, it's not. I don't think it's. I don't think Ariel. By the way, I'll give him credit for that one. I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, but you know, Dana doesn't like him, so they're like Brett. They're going to give Brett the scoops. That is a very straightforward one, y'all. Um, Luke, will you ever travel to NYC again for your job or ride the train again? I hope. If you do, will you be wearing goggles and an N95 mask for the rest of your life? Did you guys see Lan- the Lancet study yesterday on um, the restrictions being eased in China? Lancet's one of the premier medical journals in the world. And uh, not without, you know, they've, any medical journal can publish things that are um, debatable, certainly. But basically what they had said was some restrictions on life will be eased over time for sure. But that absent some kind of really proven treatment or and or a vaccine, it's not possible to go back to normal, um, which was not great news. Not great, Bob. Not great. So that was harrowing. But the answer is, dude, I can't wait to get, I mean, I don't, I, all right, I'll be honest. I have not missed riding the train. I did it for eight years and it was, I was, there was a couple of trips here before the whole pandemic kicked in where it was, you know, eight hours a day. And then it's not even just that, like I'm up at four, four thirty, and a lot of Americans work harder than this. I'm just saying that day sucked. You're up at four, four thirty. I'm at the train station you know, 5.30 or so, trains at 6. You get to Newark at uh, 9.30. Uh, 9.30, I take the PATH train to um, Jersey City, go do morning combat, dissected, do morning combat, get back on the PATH, take it to 33rd, 33rd switch to, you know, the BDFM, take that to two more stops to, um, you know, basically Radio City Music Hall, do the show there for three hours, and by the way, there's like there's no time to waste. I don't have time to stop for anything. And then the show ends. I got to get on my horse. I got to take the one downtown from 50th back to 34th. And then I got to get on the train. And then from there, it's another four-hour ride, assuming there's no delays. And then I got to get in my car and then drive home. It's just an awful day, man. And you do that for enough. I, did, I was doing that twice a week when I was doing that, um, when I was doing the beat and the hour at the same time, which was just a terrible year. But... Uh, I hope, man. I hope. I can't. I, now I'm saying um, I'm glad to have this time away from the train, but I can't wait to get on the train again when, when we can all do do it normally. So I hope, man. I really hope. I really hope we can do that. Um, I obviously miss Brian Campbell in person. I miss seeing my staff on the radio show. I miss being able to leave my house and go do shit. You know, I, it sucks. It, they, you know, I, yeah, I hope to I hope sooner than later, man. How much does the UFC keeping more of their profits compared to other sporting events help them with being able to continue events? Even with the lack of ticket revenue on Fight Island, they will likely still be able to make healthy profits. Is this yet more proof there is being money left on the table in regards to fight or pay? Well, they also have a lot of expenses too. Um, so what you're asking is in terms of the rev split, fighters to um, 
company, and the the split is usually 80-20, but part of that 20 is also USADA, so it's closer to about 17-18% is how much the fighters make on an annual basis, which is a fixed cost. It doesn't really change. So um, how much of that is uh, been able to continue events? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look more into the details. It's a great question. Um, I spoke to Kevin Draper of the New York Times today. That was the guy writing all the articles, and I asked him, to what extent was financial pressure from Endeavor any part of it? He said he spoke to the president of Endeavor on the record, and he was, the president was, adamant that financial pressure had nothing to do with what the UFC wanted to do, in which case you're like, well, why did they want to do that then? Um, you know, I wonder about, I wonder about how, how true that is, um, because the UFC, in terms of its contracted revenue, does really well, really well, better than it's ever done, to be quite honest with you. At the same time, um, it's not clear how thin the profit margin is relative to their expenses. Um, and I, I'd have to look more into detail about it. It's a good question. Quarantine workout regimen. So, um, my costs have gone down because I'm not, you know, eating out very much and uh, or take it and take out. I guess whatever the hell you want to call it these days. And obviously, I don't have to park my car at Union Station and eat a bill there and everything. I, I just spent less. So I decided, uh, I think we're probably going to be here a while. So I bought myself, um, I, I already had some bumper plates. I needed to get some extra ones, but I got some used ones. So I was pretty happy about that. I have spent, I've spent like a, after shipping, like 100 bucks. But now I have, I have two sets of 45, a set of 10s, and a set of 25. So I only had to get the set of 10s and the 25. So it was Yes, two sets of 10s and a 25. Um, in any event, so I bought the uh, the Kabuki Strength Trap Bar, which is, if you guys have not seen these, uh, uh, Ilyko makes one like it. It's a, You guys ever see a trap bar, but it's like a full hexagon? Someone's going to make an Illuminati joke there. Um, they just, they remove the bottom half of it. So it's just this, and you can walk in the center of it and pull it up. So you can use it for deadlifts. You can use it for squats. You can use it for overhead press. You can use it for rows. You can use it for a lot of stuff. That's not arrived yet, so I've just been using for you know circuit workouts. I have the set of zero to ninety in each hand dumbbells from Bowflex, where you can just rotate. You can you know you can set the you can set the limit, uh, and they go like I said they go from well they go from really ten to ninety pounds. Um, so I've been using those in the in the front. I've got a I've got a bench in those, and now I've added the Kabuki Strength one. It's not here yet. Um, but um, so that's what I'm going to be using. Basically, I'm going to start. I'm going to start putting together, I think, a little bit more of a serious workout because I've just been kind of, you know, breaking a sweat. Really, uh, that's a little bit more of intense lifting, which I'm looking forward to because I've been bored with just the dumbbell stuff. First attempt at a question from Scotland. Dana walks for whatever reason. You are in his seat. Oh God, help me. What are the first three things you do to take the UFC in a better direction? Jesus. Well, you know, you know, Dana White's issues are not exactly related to the product underperforming. In other words, if you were the president, would you set up a fighters association? Probably not, right? So that's not really a Dana issue. Um, I would probably substitute USADA for VADA, the Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, uh, until there is a fighters union. So that's the first one I would do. I'd add 165. That's be the second. And 
would be the third. I don't know. I don't know what the third would be. Those are two big ones. Um, gosh, good question. I'll, I'll, here's one. Uh, an event doesn't have to be a main event or a title fight to be five rounds. There you go. There's one for you. And of course, you know, increased pay and all that kind of stuff too. But those would be some structural changes I would make. Who is the combat sports coach you would most love to pick their brain, MMA or boxing? Uh, John Danaher is one I've tried unsuccessfully to get a hold of for years. Um, Dwayne Ludwig, for whatever reason, blocked me on Twitter, but like I love his stuff. <laughs> Sorry, Dwayne, don't know what I did. Um, but dude, Dwayne Ludwig's got a great YouTube channel. He the, the videos are quick, but he's doing like go look at Dwayne Ludwig's channel because if you look at the stuff that he's showing, and these are just snippets of things, you can see why. Yes, I know everyone's gonna be like, oh, EPO, but talk about the technical development of TJ Dillashaw striking the technical aspects he picked up. Yes, the fact that he didn't, you know, lose energy or whatever else you want to ascribe to it is one thing, but just knowing angles, knowing footwork, knowing setups, knowing all that stuff, that's a technical mastery. Dude, Dwayne's channel is awesome. Him, uh, I've, I've not used Wonder Boys recently, but some stuff in there has been great that I've seen. Um, Joseph Valtellini, he's not really a coach in that sense, but, you know, he's, a, he's got a brilliant mind as well. Every time I talk to Faraz Zahabi, I learn something new. Um, who's some? Uh, uh, Saif Saud's a great one out of uh, Fortis MMA. He's great. Um, there's a lot of great coaches that folks, you know, Max's people, I always try to get to open up and they never do. <laughs> they always keep their cards close to the vest. Eugene Behrman's a, just a brilliant, brilliant person. Um, you know, there's, there's, I, I, talking to, you want to ask me what my favorite thing to do is? In general, not not like every time, but in general, talking to coaches, man. I love talking to coaches because they're a lot more laid back. They sort of get how the game works. You know, they don't care about the petty stuff by and large. They're smart. They've seen a lot. They got a lot of interesting ideas. They've got a lot of quiet wisdom that if you can pull it out, it's such a sword from the stone kind of moment, man. Um, I really love talking to them. It's really my favorite thing to do by and large. Uh, it's... Such a rewarding experience to speak to them. Uh, hey, buddy. This person writes, only the strongest do not follow the crowd, top man. I hate to say, but I believe this move by the UFC will drag us back under the perceived knucklehead caveman umbrella, undoing all their great PR work done over the recent years. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think that's quite right. But, um, you know, it wasn't a great look for MMA this week. You know, everyone else has stopped, and then the governor of California has to intervene to get you to stop by pleading to your bosses. It's like, and every time I bring this up, you know, it's like, oh, I don't like uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein. Yeah, neither do I. Like, <laughs> you're never going to hear me say one praiseworthy thing about her. I don't like Governor Gavin Newsom. I don't care about Governor Gavin Newsom. I don't live in California. That's, that's for California to figure out if they like him or not, whatever. But his political beliefs or um, successes or failures is not what I care about. I'm talking about zooming out for a second. California is the fifth largest economy in the world, and the dude who was in charge of that said, stop. You know, that's not a great look when someone that powerful has to intervene. 
it's not a great look. Um, it's not about whether you care for them personally. It's about, wow, what does it mean for the governor of a piece of territory that big to be that direct about not moving forward with this project? Has to mean not not great things. I mean, that's a very <laughs> it's a very shitty way to say it, but you you come off as someone had to save you from yourself with, with something like that. This person writes, hey Luke, uh, what all do you know about the supposed podcast from Mike Russell about Ali being a part of 9-11 and Khabib's connections? He keeps talking about it, but nothing ever seems to come to fruition. And then he lashes out if anyone asks questions. As a journalist, I am loath to play gatekeeper, but things seem fishy, and it seems training for people to try to claim their journalists to appear more credible. Um, he has done good work uh, in Canada as it relates to, oh God, please forgive me, the gentleman who, uh, he fought in the UFC, and then he, um, oh, my mind is blanking now. God, I don't sleep enough. Um, who was the poor guy who fought in the UFC, was the heavyweight? I think Todd Duffy knocked him out really fast. What was his name? Sorry, I have to do this now. Now it's on my brain. And he fought in a boxing match, and um, it just went awry, and he ultimately perished. And the family sued the city, da-da-da-da-da. It was uh, Tim Haig. Tim Haig had a fight again in, um, in a, a boxing match. Here's what it says on Wikipedia. Haig made his boxing debut in 2011, blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. Haig died on June 18, 2017 of injuries sustained during a boxing match at the Shaw Conference Center on June 16th at the Edmonton, in Edmonton, Canada with Adam Braidwood. He was 34 years old. God, 34? Whew. Jesus. His death triggered the Edmonton City Council to pass a new law to impose a ban of one year on combat sports in Edmonton. On January 23rd, the ban was lifted, being that combat sports... And uh, he was really instrumental in getting um, information about that case and putting pressure on public authorities, and I give Mike Russell a lot of credit. To your point, he has he has uh, said a lot about Ali, and then made a lot of claims about um, the podcast. I also know that he has indicated he's had some difficulties behind the scenes, some personal troubles. I certainly wish him the well with those, and the project has been delayed. My attitude about it is, when he releases it, I'll make an assessment about it. And until such time, I don't have, I mean, what, what is there to say? Uh, so... Oh, here we go. You recently mentioned that you would make a video detailing your most embarrassing moment ever. When can we expect that video? 200K, boys and girls. 200K. It's where you got to get it. 200K. Hi, Luke. I am French, so could you tell me what matters the most, a senator or a governor stepping in? Um, they're both pretty powerful. Uh, probably the governor matters more in this case. The governor is going to have a more direct relationship to... Uh, constituents on the ground uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. They are going to live in the state. They're going to be working with civic leaders, with businesses, with any number of different parties on a day-to-day -day basis, whether they're Democrat or Republican, right? They are part and parcel of that uh, entity at all times, and they are constantly in contact, at least in the theorized world, with various parts of it geographically and then demographically and everything else. Um, so... 
when the governor of California calls the Disney execs who are based out of there, who I'm sure he had a bit of a relationship with on, on some level, and says, come get your boy, that matters. When a senator says it, um, that, has, that, that will generate tons of news. And she might have relationships with Disney as well. I, I, you know, I have no idea. But that's more about, uh, from, a, from a national, federal level, raising awareness about a concern relative to the geographic territory she represents. And of course, as you guys know, if you're in the House of Congress, you are as a geographic little piece of territory that each one um, represents. And in the case of senators, it's two per state. So she essentially represents the whole state. Um, the governor does, of course, as well, but he's a little bit more hands-on uh, about day-to-day business in the state. But they're both freaking big. They're big. Someone writes, uh, I agree with your sentiment about 249 and COVID-19, but I'm unsure what your ideal outcome would be. Was your hope that fan pressure would get the UFC to reconsider, that a boycott would get them to cancel future events until this was resolved? No, I was never calling for a boycott. Or fa- I never asked the fans to mobilize themselves. I never appealed to the fans like to go and up in arms tell them no. Um, I tried to argue with certain fans about what I thought the best idea was, but there was never any attempt by anyone that I'm aware of in media to mobilize a group in any kind of way and use the power and leverage of that group to affect change. Rather, I was trying to raise awareness for what I thought was, (laughs) I mean, folks, of all the things I've ever been on the outside looking in on, if you had told me it'd be, hey, let's not make the lethal virus worse during a global pandemic, that would not have been at the top of my list of things I would have thought I would on the outside looking in. Knees to the head of a downed opponent? Maybe. Uh, modern anti-doping is too heavy-handed? Definitely. I could understand the resistance. Okay, all right. Uh, let's not make shit worse in a pandemic? Don't know about that one. Did not see that one coming at all. So, um, so no, it was not that. It was merely that... Uh, I was trying to win the battle of ideas. And that I hoped that the UFC would just come to their senses and that ESPN would come to their senses. Um, but, you know, someone had to force them to stop. That was, that was, I was always going to be the reality. If there was any way it was possible to do other than some higher entity saying no, uh, they would have done it. So, uh, you know. And I don't really can't I mean, can you get... UFC fans to to boycott something that, you know, look, I understand a lot of folks, I, I heard this from a lot of folks too, which was, you know, I don't really think they should be doing it, but I'm going to watch, which I understand, man. I get it. People are bored of shit in their houses. Like they're going to do, you know, oh, I'm kind of against, you know, animal farming. I'll have a bacon sandwich. Like it, it, these kinds of compartmentalizations happen. And I understand that. So I don't think any kind of mass mobilization is really possible. That was never the goal. No. All right, this question is long as shit. Am I an activist? Am I a journalist? So the person writes, in regards to this whole UFC 249 debacle, what do you consider yourself to be? A journalist, a commentator, or an activist? None of them. With all the various platforms you are a part of and the tremendous reach that you now have, what do you, certainly, what do you currently define and label yourself as? 
Why has the failure to change minds become such a sore spot for you at this moment? Well, because of the grave considerations involved. No, none of those. Media members is what I always tell people that I am. Journalist requires the work of journalism to do. Kevin Draper, whether you like him or not, or pick somebody else that works for a newspaper or a news outlet where their sole job is to break news of a consequential sort. Um, that's a journalist. An activist, you know, you're getting out there and making a show of things in a public way that social media is not a public way. Um, you're, you could be lobbying on behalf of change in the, in the halls of power. Um, that is a much more hands-on, like if I was if to the, to the point, if I had in a theoretical world organized a fan boycott, that would be activism. And a commentator simply just does the work of what's on the television screen in front of them. I'm just sort of a media member. I, I don't really do, the things here that you describe, not in that way. What I was trying to do with the battle of ideas, I mean, I mean, this is what I do. I give my opinion on things. Uh, I do opinion commentary with some, with as much, um, with some effort made towards the, how do I say this? I do opinion, I do commentary in, in the, gosh, you know, it's a good question actually, but it's not the ones Commentary would be the closest one, but I guess I'm, I'm separating it from the broadcast consideration. But here's what I see myself doing. This is, this is the position that I try to find myself in. Um, this is why when managers threaten, we're, you know, we're not going to give interviews away. It's like, <laughs> and? I don't give a fuck. Um, I see a sport that has many, many positives. I see a sport that, um, you know what? Here's a good point. This is a moment for MMA media to reflect a little bit, which is going to sound crazy given that I've defended them here pretty strongly in trying to pursue a cause that I saw as obvious. The reason why we all kind of went to the mat for this one is because the consequences of getting it wrong are extraordinary. If you got the safety protocol wrong and there was an outbreak of any kind and people got hurt and or killed, the consequences for the sport and for the UFC would be potentially cataclysmic. That is what the whole purpose of that was. You're just trying to avoid that. That's it. That's all you're trying to avoid. That is the only goal. Let's not do crazy, reckless shit. Um, and so, I've defended them in the pursuit of that. I will say something different, though. Every time I bring up MMA media's shortcomings, everyone in MMA media, for the most part, tells me to go pound sand. They don't want to hear it. They never want to reflect on their failings, on their shortcomings. They never want to have a look in the mirror and say, why do people not trust us sometimes? Why do people view us in a way that we may think is inappropriate given what we do? I've tried to reflect on those at least a little bit. And here's one thing that I come to. Yes, when UFC President Dana White gets out there and says things like to Brett Okamoto in that interview, okay, good, now go promote, it sends the wrong message to the audience. And the audience begins to get the belief that um, you know, that's what we do, which is just promotion. And to be sure, part of the job, it's not direct promotion, but in doing fighter breakdowns, in doing fighter interviews, the ending result is that some level of promotion is obviously conferred. Now, what does all, all this have to do with MMA media shortcomings? Ladies, gentlemen, 
if big portions of the audience think that what you do is promotion, yes, some of that is because Dana White tells them that. Some of that is because that's the message they've got from consuming your work. (laughs) Uh, That seems very true to me. MMA media, of all the medias in other sports, is by far the most compliant. And you can see why, dude. Dana White tells Brett Okamoto, go promote. Uh, You have managers on Twitter today being like, well, we're going to just deny interviews now, which is like, is it, in your, is it in your client's best interest to really do that? A fucking course not. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a totally ridiculous thing to say. Terrible, terrible advising for your clients. Um, but the reason why they think that is because they each kind of exert leverage in that way to get what they want on compliant media to simply say, okay, I will not ask this question to get this interview. I will treat the subject in this way to secure this access. It's so much access media. It's just access, access, access. That that has it. That has a benefit in certain ways, but it has a tremendous amount of downside. And I think some reflection is owed here. I think some reflection is owed here about. It can't just be Dana White saying that, because he's not the only one saying that. A lot of the other ones are saying it too, and it's because a lot of the media that is practiced is just PR. So no wonder they get that impression. So what does this have to do with me? I see myself as somebody who tries to go to the extent possible in the other direction. I have pivoted away from that because that, like, um, that train's full. I'm going to get on the next train that no one's on, and I'm going to see if that gets me to where I need to go. You, it, it, the amount of people willing to do um, subservient media, or even just sort of like semi-compromised media, you know, they're not bad people per se, but they're put in difficult situations. And remember, it's not just the individual journalists making those choices. A lot of times, it's the companies they work for putting them in uncomfortable positions about, hey, we don't really care about losing access to this or that. We need you to work in such a way to accommodate that. So then they get put in these compromised positions. But like having some self-awareness about this, and do they reject it every time I bring it up? But it's true, man. It's true. It is truly subservient media. How do I know? Wait a year. Some story is going to pop up, and the media is going to get accused of being absolute bootlickers to the UFC. It's gonna. Ha- it's gonna happen. I've been doing this for well over a decade. <laughs> I've seen this. I know how this movie ends, man. I know how it ends. That is one way it definitely ends. So, um, so what do I see myself as? I see myself as somebody of a bit of a voice in the community that tries to provide an alternate perspective on a number of wide-ranging but important issues related to fighter interests, fighter safety, organizational compliance. Um, and on the, on the fighting side, I try to provide, you know, I don't think that I'm teaching fighters anything, but I do believe that people who don't know hardly anything about fighting, I try to provide with my technique breakdowns a level of information that can help them make, you know, uh, help them understand the fight game better. Uh, I just try to give you as much information to make informed choices and understand things as best as you can. And that's, a, I guess that's kind of a form of journalism, but I don't really feel like I'm owed the title until you really get down there and you write those kinds of reports and you're working sources and blah, blah, blah. I don't do that kind of a thing. But to me, this is a moment where, yes, dude, the abuse being hurled at them, I find ridiculous. On the other hand, 
stop doing that shit and they'll be a lot less confusing to a lot more people. Hi, Luke. I've noticed Rogan doing FaceTime podcasts. Does that mean your scheduled meeting with him is back on schedule? Any plans to break down Tony Ferguson on Dissected? Yeah, I would love to. Um, that was an option I think he gave, I think, back when we spoke a while ago. I haven't spoken to him since. Um, I mean, if this goes on forever, I'll see if he wants to do that, if the offer's still good. But I'm holding out hope, man. Holding out hope I get a chance to go do that because um, I'd mu- it's just a much better, you know, it'll be like the, it'll be like our butterfly moment. We, we all get to leave our homes and I get to go to California and, uh, and do that. I would much rather do that. Um, so I'm going to wait. Stevens versus Cater prediction. None. Uh, Luke, we need to hear your take on Brendan Schaub's video playing down the seriousness of the COVID-19 situation. It seems he complete ignorance, this person writes, and willingness to spout completely inaccurate understanding of statistics as facts demands a response. If you don't want to respond publicly, have you spoken to him in private? I was supposed to do a video with him next week where I was going to take him to task, uh, but the video got canceled, I think. I don't know if it's been officially canceled, but I think they're going to cancel it. We were going to do a UFC 249 um, preview together. And who texted me? And uh, we decided not to. Oh, wait. Funnily enough. Yes. Six minutes ago. It's on. So um, that's a text from Showtime's producers here. Yeah. So I'm going to speak to him on Wednesday. I will take him to task then. Yeah. I have been. Look, Brendan's my boy. And y'all always want me to come on here and slam the dude. I'm not prepared to do that. And as I mentioned before, I have found sometimes a little bit more honey or I should say rather a little bit more carrot than stick, um, gets you what you want. I'm going to try and explain to him my viewpoint, and hopefully I can get him. I mean, here's one of the problems. Like, if you work in a state like uh, California, which has done relative to, let's say, New York, a significantly better job of containing this virus, it might feel to you like total overkill. Um, And I can understand that feeling. They're saying D.C. is going to be the next hotspot, which I'm deathly afraid of because – I'm supposed to take my daughter to get her next round of checkups. Or she's going to turn one year old in a. My daughter turns one year old in 17 days, man. In 17 days, so I'm terrified of taking her to the hospital and like the next round of vaccines and stuff. But you got to do it, you know. Um, so you know, I, I think like a buddy of mine's an ER doctor in New York, and I mean the stories are. You just, I mean, out of a horror movie or something. And California's had it pretty good, relatively speaking. So I think that that can lull you into a false sense of security. But uh, no, I completely disagree with Brendan. I intended to tell him that. But he's still my boy. Don't think he's not. Does MMA need a more scientific approach to determining fighters' weight limits, perhaps factoring in height, bone density? Um, I mean, they have a pretty scientific approach. Doctors in California, according to their weight cutting plan, will measure and essentially sort of assign to you a medically safe way to do it. That seems, or a medically safe um, designation, that seems like a pretty good way to do it. In what ways, if any, do you suspect 
the world of MMA might change or have to change going forward because of the COVID-19 outbreak, for example. Fighters or even other gig economy workers becoming classified as employees, virus checks for non-fighters, UFC and Bellator being sold while others close down altogether, certain bald people buying a private island and becoming increasingly petulant, thereby coming into more frequent and direct conflict with authorities and ownership. Yeah. Um, boy, I've thought about this a lot. I had Derek Thompson on from The Atlantic magazine on my show, and I asked him this question. I'd ask you guys this too. Dude, when this thing is all done, I said this before. Number one, I said Tony versus Gabi is not taking place on the 18th. And number two, when this is all over, that'll be the least of our concerns. And of course, you know, a bunch of people thought that that was alarmist. Um, I, I suspect over time that will change now that we have 17 million Americans out of work and growing. But, uh, and of course, you know, this virus that's going to be around until we can quite literally eradicate it through medicine. I thought about this, though. One thing Dana White has said that has been true is we're going to be the first ones back, partly because the UFC just has ants in the pants about being first. But two, um, he's right about something. You can do MMA a lot sooner under these conditions than you can... um, Football, American football. You know, we've got 20-plus guys on the field at once. And then look at the sidelines. They're full of people. I was thinking about this. A buddy of mine's kid got a D1 scholarship to play lacrosse. And um, I won't say what college it is, but uh, he's older than me. But um, it's a it's a big-time Division One school. These schools make their money off of football, meaning um, – the scholarship money that they're able to hand out to other athletes in other sports typically comes from the money generated <laughs> around the nucleus and then the orbiting planet, so to speak, of American American football is the king, uh, at least here, obviously. It's the king. Dude, what if there's no season next year? Are they, and, and even if there's a season, how the hell are you going to sell out 80,000, 100,000-person stadiums where all that money is being generated? You can't. You can't. Dude, when this thing is done with us, in every sector, movies, music, MMA, arts, architecture, you name it, it is going to take a pound of flesh from all of us. And how it does, I don't know. How deep, I think it'll probably vary industry to industry. MMA has, I think, some reasons for optimism about its ability to return and maintain some kind of profile um, as we move along in this. But I don't know how you... Dude, how do you have American football without a vaccine? I, I, don't, underst- I, don't, I don't know how you do that. You've got 20-plus guys on the field at times. You've got equipment managers, coaches for the wide receivers, quarterbacks, O-line, D-line, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, equipment managers... And everybody in between, all on the sidelines, um, on both sides, referees, television crew, you can't do it. You can't do it. Not until there's some kind of medical breakthrough, quite honestly. And the ripple effect of losing the king of sports in sports has to be significant. It has to be. Um, Now, does that mean football goes away entirely? No. But in the end... 
are like these small market NBA teams all going to survive? Maybe, but I wonder. Are small market MLS teams going to survive? I don't know. Are the NFL's plans to break into Europe and Mexico going to go up in smoke? Maybe. It's going to take a pound of flesh for everyone. Like in MMA, not everyone's going to make it. This is not going to happen. Uh, in boxing, in any in any industry, it's going. It's it's gonna. There's going to be a tax that's going to have to get paid. And you know, in what ways it will, I you know, your guess is as good as mine. But um, I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been thinking about this a lot and trying to figure out like, you know, the ripple effects of what it means to lose. NFL and collegiate football and how that moves. I mean, and what that means for higher education, like my buddy does all right for himself. So if the kid loses the scholarship, he can just pay. But what about like low income working class families who have a kid who's athletically gifted and then loses the scholarship. And now that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And you have to do like telelearning. I guess you don't have room and board to pay for, but you still have to pay for tuition. Can they do that? You know, I guess student loans, but then you're just bankrupting these families. Like, Dude, the, the, the impacts are so significant. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I, I, I just, I don't, uh, if people aren't thinking about that, I don't know why. All right, let's go to some of these ones you've paid for. Again, I'll do this. Um, you know, subscribe. The whole nine yards. Um, like the video, of course. Hit the notification bell. Do all that good stuff. All right, very good. Let's put this back up. Okay, let's see what you guys have to say. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of uh, ad rev or um, donations today. Yeah, that's going to be great. I'm gonna. That's going to go to great use. I'm very, very happy about that. Thank you. TM writes, uh, Luke, huge fan of yours, Semper Fi, and thanks for what you do. Question, have you and Rogan, oh, there we go, considered rebooking on his podcast via webcam? I've not spoken to him. I mean, I can hit him up, see what he says, but I don't want to do that right now. I don't want to burn that right now. I want to wait. Uh, Nathan says, honestly, I'm just grateful that the Disney ESPN world saved me from dealing with the whole, I don't want to support this inadvisable event, but I would selfishly love to see some MMA moral decision. <laughs> a lot of fans felt that way. Christopher writes, hi, Luke. I really liked your idea of doing a show having drinks with fighters. What do you think of the name Chillers with Luke? Is that what they call them, Chillers? Across the pond or something? Yeah, here's the problem. A lot of fighters don't want to drink. They're all like, they're all against it. So you maybe have to be a coach or somebody. Do you think Dana tries to make Tony Justin and force Conor Khabib too since Justin stepped up? I think anything is possible at this point. Anything is possible. Nathan asks, who would you rather contend with in an intellectual debate? Christopher Hitchens or Gore Vidal? I guess Hitchens, but that's like, you know, out of the frying pan into the fire on that one. Jesus. Minecraft time. I do not even know what Minecraft is. I've been playing... I've been playing, oh my God, I didn't tell you about my Mortal Kombat issue. So I was, you know, getting a little bit better, getting a little bit better. I can beat the game on the Warrior Tower on medium. That's how good I've gotten, which is to say not very good. Pretty bad. But, you know, I'm not in there to be some Mortal Kombat champion. I'm just killing time. 
Uh, and then the computer kept freezing. It looked like little, there was like little snowflakes on the screen. And so I was like, why the hell is that happening? And it's because I didn't update all my drivers. But what they don't tell you is you can't just update like your NVIDIA graphics card driver. You have to go through every single one on your PC. That took like two hours yesterday. Fixed the problem, but that was super annoying. If the UFC's motivation for putting on 249 was meeting the terms of their ESPN agreement for money, do they deserve some of that heat for not calling it sooner? Well, there's two ways to look at that. One is, uh, and these are hypothetical. I want to be very clear about this. But one of those ways is... Were they doing it because they needed the money? Which they deny. But if they needed the money, um, could you understand that while they may have made poor decisions to put themselves in a situation where they had to put on fights during a pandemic, if they didn't, it would create massive financial problems. If, if that was the case, you could sort of squint and understand it. If they did it just because they wanted extra money and they didn't... Here, here is the one thing I keep coming back to in all of this. Every time Dana White spoke about the coronavirus, he never said anything that was truly um, in keeping with any sort of consensus about what the coronavirus meant and does and why you should take it seriously and why caution was necessary. Everything he said was the opposite of that. And so, you know, is it about Endeavor pressures? They say no. Were they broke? I mean, UFC's done really well for themselves, but some of the profit margins could be thin. We'll see. But I think a big part of it also is I just don't think he believed it was that big a deal. He said to Brett Okamoto, we can go tomorrow. Um, Geekin' with James Hancock says, keep up the amazing work, Luke. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Anthony Frausta with the donation. Thank you, sir. Uh, this person, XZ Wangzig, writes, It's been theorized for a while that pay-per-view is going the way of the dodo as we come out of the pandemic and the economic effects take hold. Do you think MMA promotions will reevaluate continuing to produce uh, pay-per-view events? Not in totality, but yes. Yes, that's going to be, an, again, in what ways the coronavirus is going to take something from us? Some ways good, some ways bad? We don't fully know. We don't fully know. But um, that could be one. That could really be one. That could be one. I also want to see what it does to the streaming wars, you know? Dude, DAZN just straight up saying we're not going to pay people? Okay. <laughs> Oof. Um, that's risky. Um, some, some donations here. Uh, then person Tamir writes, thank you for letting people know how serious this is. Uh, working in the hospitals, seeing people die left and right. Hopefully, people now know, know now in MMA too, as well. Yeah, I hope so. Certainly, this person writes: Isn't seeing the na the same political dynamic as society play out in the MMA exhausting? The sport isn't an escape from everyday BS like other sports. I don't know. Do you see this stuff happening in other sports? I don't. I don't see anything like this. Um, Wally A says, Luke, have you seen Yojimbo yet? Best Akira Kurosawa movie. I have not. I am I am slacking on my pimping when it comes to that. What's your favorite flavor of Haterade? The kind I can spit in your mom's face. Who has worse Twitter mentions? Me or Jonathan Snowden? Mine are pretty bad. Mine are pretty bad. Uh, but his are bad. Uh, I'd say mine only because I have more followers. But pound for pound, they're pretty equal. 
It's like Demetrius Johnson versus John Jones. Like, still, you know, it's still a force to be reckoned with. XG says, you're doing a great job, Luke. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Lighten, Lighten, Light Inc. says, hey, Luke, honest question. Uh, do you struggle at all with being a bully or accusations of bullying at any point in your life as a 30-plus-year-old man-child who is in therapy, in part trying to evolve as a human being? This is something I struggle with. Sure. Sure. Again, I often get to a point where it's, I don't mean it to be that way. Like, I don't think in there, I'm going to go in there, I'm just going to tell everyone how I feel. I don't really think of it that way. But other times when I don't think strategically about messaging and it comes across as hectoring, bullying, yelling, of course, of course, of course, it's a problem. Um, part of that video is me just being like, fuck, I've had enough of, you know, and I just, it wasn't just a pushback. It was just like the, the failure to get a message across effectively. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from, you know, you could say a different approach would get a different result. That's probably true, but I know for sure that a lot of, this, okay, I don't know about this present situation, but as it relates to PEDs, I really regret the way I went about trying to bring that information to bear. I think some parts of it I got right, but it's such a difficult thing, I think, for many to accept, understandably. That one you have to take with kid gloves and a lot of evidence and a lot of patience, and I didn't. And I think I really screwed the pooch, as we say in the Marine Corps, on that one. And so that was, a, that was one of those moments where it's just like, you know, you can beat people over the head as many times as you want. It's not going to work. Nurses have to play God now. How should they choose, scientist, child, or woman? I think valuing at this, I leave that to the medical professionals. Donald writes, UFC 249 was picking up steam in the mainstream media. Do you think Disney executives see the potential PR disaster and blowback that Dana couldn't see? Yeah, of course. Although I'm not really, I'm told you, I'm not really ready to exonerate ESPN or Disney in all of this. Like, the, the, the reporting is that they only did it at the behest of the governor. Where I don't know what the answer is. I actually asked Kevin Draper about this earlier. I didn't, uh, I don't know if, Disney was uh, or, and, you, and uh, ESPN were unhappy about it. But if you don't intervene until the governor asks you, could you really be that upset about it? I don't know. I'm skeptical that they were really particularly bothered. Like they were the adults in the room. Were they? Maybe. I'm, I would need some evidence. Robert says, thanks for all the great content. You're unbiased and always searching for the truth. I am not unbiased. Uh, although I appreciate the sentiment. I am very biased. Uh, but I try to tell you what my biases are up front and let you guys make some decisions about them. I don't have a question. We want to show appreciation. I wish I could uh, give you more. <laughs> this person writes a mean message about Ariel, which I will not read. But I appreciate the support just the same. Wesley writes, Luke, if you like horror movies, what's your top three? Not a big horror guy. I'm looking to watch a good one tonight. My favorite is 28 Days Later, but I'm biased to zombie movies. Train to Busan, I saw. Do you guys see that on Netflix? That was a really good horror movie, zombie flick. Um, what was the one where like the, 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 where they, the teenagers go to like this cabin, it was, it was called a cabin in the woods. It's like this dark kind of comedy horror. That was a great one. Um, Alfred Hitchcock's the birds is always sort of a classic, uh, but I'm not much of a horror guy. This is fate says how possible is it that we just get Khabib's Tony in August now? Whew, I hope that's the hope. My hope is that now we hit the reset button. We can get it again. 
The XFL just announced the cancellation of all future events. I saw. Do you see any smaller promotions shutting down? Yeah, sure. There's going to be winners and losers in this whole thing, man. But, you know, at, at this stage, it's just hard to know which ones it'll be. Um, and gyms, too. Not all the gyms are going to make it. It's sad, but it's just the way it's going to be. What should we call Fight Island? It's basically Mortal Kombat. As for fighters, Connor is Johnny Cage. Bisping is Kano. Can you think of others? Would Sexy Yama be like Raiden? You know, you could see him be like Raiden. Um, what do we call Fight Island? God, I don't know. They're, they're going to call it that, I think. I think. Didn't I see that they were trying to trademark that? Fighters and management are now at war with MMA media due to their negativity, which is actually epidemiological advice from experts and common sense in the rest of the sports world. How do you even make a retort to this? I don't. I just don't care. Dude, denying me an interview does nothing to hurt my career. <laughs> Zip. You can't leverage me that way, bro. You can leverage all the other donks. You can't leverage me that way. My boss has to beg me to take interviews. Uh... Tehran says, says, can't convince people who don't want to be convinced. Luke, keep up the good work. Thank you. Ryan says, by the time the UFC gets back up and running, TJ Dillashaw could potentially only be a few months from a return. Where do you think he fits back into the bantamweight division? Could he be champion again? I wouldn't rule it out, but obviously it's going to take some time. And you say, oh, how could that be the case? Well, this is a very different time and a very different division. But I saw Tim Sylvia get busted for steroids, come back and win it again. And uh, yes, it's heavyweight, and it was a weak time at heavyweight. I get it. Bantamweight's flourishing. I don't think the chances are on his side. I'm simply saying you can't rule it out. He's very, very talented. He was always a good athlete for a long time. Um, it's hard to know exactly what – I'm sure he got a benefit, but it's hard to know exactly how much benefit he got. We're going to have to see. So I'm going to say it's probably the, – the, you know the time lost is not on his side, but I'm not ready to count him out just yet. Matthew said, I keep it the great work. Thank you, sir. Altitude Exotic says, thank you for your integrity and values. Thank you, sir. Eric Jones says, uh, thank you, Luke, for everything you do. Should SUG 13 be postponed and canceled, just like all the other events? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's an obvious one. And I like Chill a lot. I just wish he wasn't doing it, you know? Anonymous Dude says, I'm a fan. My bad if I haven't been vocal enough. No, it's no one's fault. It's only my fault. Don't worry about that. Raphael says, keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Shots at Tequila. Oh, it's my buddy Raphael. Y'all know Raphael. We did the um, the watch parties together. It was me, him, and Othello. Yeah, dude, we got to do some tequila shots when this is all over. Jesus Christ. Um, the Judo Joker writes, pretty awesome. My favorite band, Chevelle, is a fan of yours. I finally got to see them last year and hope you get a chance to when this all clears up. They're awesome live. I have disposable income. Was going to want to donate to COVID relief anyway. I thought, here's a bonus. Yeah. I'm going to I appreciate the donation. And when I make the donation, I'm going to record my, be doing the whole thing. Um, and I'm going to give the organization a shout out and the whole nine yards. So everyone can see it's above board, the receipt and everything. Okay. Um, how many subs for you to do a podcast with the wife? Would love to hear her side of how bad her first impression of you was. 500,000. I mean, that is, I don't really like to share my life with my wife very much. Like beyond stories, but I mean like, you know, in person. Thanks for all your content and unfiltered view of uh, MMA. Sport needs more honest brokers. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it. Then there's donations from Ron and Jay. Dylan asks, do you listen to any metalcore, hardcore? 
I listened to a you know who um so I saw Cannibal Corpse in uh, Philly. Um, Thy art is murder. Open for them, which is not what you're asking because that's a different kind of band. But they're like deathcore. I gotta say, it's not my music. I don't really care for it. But I to prepare for the show, I listened to them on record. They are good live. They are they are they are they are strong live performers. So uh, I'll give them that. But I've listened to like Brain Drill a little bit. They're pretty cool. Um, yeah. Joseph says, has MMA's metagame eliminated the need for defensive strikers? No, quite the opposite. Is it more beneficial to be a skilled front foot fighter, constantly feinting, engaging, and pressuring? That is defense. I mean, it's offense in the sense that it looks like you're going. It looks like you're, you're not blocking. You're not slipping. But all of that is setting up so that when you throw, there's an opening where you cannot easily be countered. That's offense built, uh, defense built into your offense. That's, I'm going to go, like Adesanya always says, I don't just spray the block. I aim and then fire, right? I'm going to take my time to find a moment where I can not only hit you cleanly, but that I cannot be hit cleanly back. How was it working with BJJ Scout a while ago? Did not work with him. Is now that, well, I mean, we kind of exchanged notes or something, but we didn't like do a project together. Is now the time to shuffle it up by with the men's and add 65? Yes. 100% agree. Joseph says, how sophisticated of a striker is Masvidal? He's very good. Was 2019 indicative of supreme technical growth or favorable matchups? A little bit of both. What aspect of his striking game would you improve if you wanted him to make him flawless? Oof. His striking, he's, he's maybe one of the best boxers in MMA. He's very good. Very, very good. He's always been using feints. He's accurate. He's a good, he's a, a heavier puncher. Um, he can fight in, in multiple ranges. He's good about angles. Um, he's good about reading defenses. He's really good. Uh, what aspect of his striking game would you improve? Man, I mean, he's pretty good at that. That's always been the interesting thing about Masvidal before he kind of hit it big. If I asked you, what is Masvidal bad at? Like, what's a real weakness? He doesn't have any. He is, he's not a perfect fighter, but he doesn't have any glaring holes. He doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. He's pretty competent everywhere. Better in certain things than others, but he's pretty goddamn competent everywhere. Um, what aspect of his striking game would you improve if you wanted him to make flawless? Maybe a little bit more about um, slipping and leaning, adding just different defensive components in there. But he's fucking Masvidal's good. <laughs> he's very good. Uh, is this from Head PE official saying like the band? No way. Thanks for the content, bro. Well, thanks to y'all. I appreciate that. That's cool shit. Uh, Joseph Beckwith says, Luke, I'm glad Disney put a stop to 249. Hope it was hope it was a fan in saying that I am more ha happy that you turned out to be right and didn't have to change out from town crier despite what many of your fans say I'm not sure what that means but I appreciate the sentiment uh, now that the cat is out of the bag Dana isn't the all-powerful god king of MMA do you think his perceived authority and power upon the fighters will dwindle fuck no not even a little bit not even a little bit uh Hey, Luke, a couple of war film recommendations if you haven't seen them already. Come and see. 
and then son of Saul. Not seen either of those. I will keep a note. Islamophobia explains some irrational Khabib hate. Maybe some, but no, because here's the thing. I mean, some, yes, I'm sure, but honestly, not really, not really, because this week it was like, oh, Rose Namajunas, why the hell is she dropping out of a fight? Oh, she had two family members die of COVID-19. Oh, oh. Dude, I said this to you. Let this be a lesson. You could be Rose Namajunas, former champion, right? Beloved by the fan base. Dude, who talks shit about Rose Namajunas in the industry? You ever heard anyone say, except for Ioana and Jacek briefly, an opponent, say anything bad about her? Everyone ever, and they called her two-faced? Anyone ever say she was mean? Any coach ever complained that she got, that they got stiffed by her when it came time to pay the bills? Never. You never heard one bad word about her. Nothing. Not a thing. And she decides after two family members pull out that she doesn't, or die, she wants to pull out. And then, you know, she got torn up. She got torn up by it. It's like, dude, it doesn't matter who you are, man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you're Number Gamadoff. Doesn't matter if you're Rose Namajunas. Doesn't matter any of those things. If you are, if you interfere, and I want to be clear about this, I, I I started the show praising all of you, and I will continue to do that. I feel very fortunate to have you guys as an audience in my life, and this platform, and everything else. But you all know there's a portion of the online fan base that is so toxic it is unbelievable. It's unbelievable how bad it is, and they just went after her. And they went after Khabib, too, who's undefeated. The dude literally eats glass for breakfast and pisses gasoline. And people out there being like, oh, he's scared. He's running. It's like, holy fucking shit, dude. Are we really going to be doing this? But yeah, dude, they do. They do. So the, the, the hatred for Khabib, I'm sure, has many layers to it. But it mirrors that which we saw from Rose, which is just irrational fan inconvenience. That's it. Patrick says, thanks for the content. Keep it up. Thank you. Oops, hold on. Shit, there's a bunch of these. Um, someone asks, mass grave picks from NYC out. Ever thought in the U.S.? Never. Fucking terrible, man. Luke, I just want to say amazing work, and thank you for covering the meaning of having MMA event during the COVID-19 pandemic. Opening up some people's minds about the negatives of hosting an event. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, someone says, since China has begun to reopen some cities, I wonder what happens if they begin to relapse and have to impose a second shutdown and what this could mean for the rest of the world dealing with this. That's what the Lancet study had said. Not great, Bob. There's a question about to what extent you get immunity if you get this, how long it lasts, and can we put those people back to work? Sounds like it's science fiction for now, but maybe that's real. I guess we'll have to see. It's terrible. Here's what I do know. There's no easy solution. Did you see the news about Rose pulling out? Yeah. Light a hooker's wig on fire, bro. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, I value your insight on issues. A few weeks ago, you dismissed my question because it was political. Seems like you're more open to it now. So philanthropy versus government on responding to public problems. The answer would there be government. Um, and I know that's going to piss off all of the whack job libertarians, and uh, even though I've got all of Ayn Rand's books and I've read them all back here, um, I've even got Leonard Peikoff's books too. Um, the answer of that is fairly simple. If you rely on a system of um, of you know largesse from the wealthy to be donated, you you can't simply have the same kind of social insurance necessary um, to deal with systemic problems. 
uh, now what the limits are on the government and what the programs look like and what they can and can't do. These are topics for a debate for another time. But if you're actually looking to solve public problems, you have to have public policy behind it. UFC unfettered human competition and capitalism. I'm not sure what that means. Do you have any thoughts on the debacle between Eddie and Thor in regards to 501 kilo deadlift being done in Thor's gym? Wasn't sure. Um, so I had seen a little bit on this. The whole idea was, if you guys didn't know, Eddie Hall has, of course, deadlifted 500 kilos at like the you know Battle of the Giants or whatever. And it stands as the world's greatest and heaviest deadlift. 500 kilos. Thor, from Game of Thrones, wanted to do a 501 kilo deadlift. It was supposed to be an event. And now I think he's supposed to do it like uh, Takeru Kobayashi style in his gym. But I think he's still going to have like a certification rep there. That's all I know about it. If there's any other details, I've not kept up with it. Obviously, with this whole situation, I've been a little bit out of the loop. But that's my understanding. Thoughts on something like a standing eight count to give time for a ref to assess a fighter after a knockdown and mitigate premature stoppages? No, not in MMA. Luke, have you seen Snowpiercer? Yes. Great movie. What do you think? Oh, fucking hell. What do you think of the track athlete, Jerry and Lawson, getting his WADA band overturned? Dude, did y'all hear about this dude? They had a, uh, he proved that a rep from a WADA lab lied on the record about him. <laughs> yeah, keep telling me athletes don't need protections. They had, the motherfucker from a lab lied. Lied. Uh, great show, Luke. Really enjoy all the content you released. Do you speak any Spanish? Just enough. Just enough. D aside, Once Upon a Cross is the greatest death metal album of all time. Don't at me. Brian saying something really awful about John Jones. I'll read it, but I don't really agree, at least not right now. John Jones is going down the Aaron Hernandez road. Certainly hope that that is not true. Top 15 at 165 pounds. So if you want to know what we did... Look, search videos on my channel. We did a, my producer and I did a 165 pound draft where we took the 155ers and we took the 170ers. We would make them 175 and we selected one each, like an NFL draft, who would fill and constitute the 165 pound division. Have a listen to it because I think you might like the results we came to. That was the exercise. I always tell people I was skeptical about it before. And then when you actually go through the motions, you realize there's plenty of material there. Plus, what I would also argue is that everyone says, well, how do you manage it? If the UFC manages the migration and who can be there and who can't, and that's not easy but doable, um, it can easily be done. It could very it, it, not easily. It can be done. It can be done. Um, I appreciate your insights and love listening to your show on SiriusXM. I started watching on MMA Uncensored live many years ago. Appreciate the way that you make and support arguments. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. Alex writes, what do you think of this? Why do you think this is the end of the world? What's your opinion on Americans being rewarded for snitching? Oh, I saw this, right, in California? That, to me, is so over the top. It's absurd. Uh, um, uh, I think it's like, is it Angelinos or Californians? I'm not sure how widespread it is. But essentially, neighbors are, can, there's like a tip line where they can like snitch on their neighbor for not doing effective public distancing, and they can get rewarded for it. Fuck that. That is, I'll say this. In the middle of a pandemic, emergency measures are so important because, as I mentioned, we don't really have any effective medical intervention yet to deal with this vaccine treatment or anything else. 
So all you have is just the is just the pulling apart of society, which requires the government imposition of rules that, on a temporary basis, are not a big deal. But the question is how this affects long term civil liberties. I, I don't think that's a bad question to be asking. And shit like that is way over the top, way over the top. Sorry, my first point was the gene removed from normal. Do you feel we need to remove anonymity from the internet or is there a place for it regardless? No, anonymity is, I think, central to the internet. Uh, here's, what, uh, here's what I realized about anonymity. Years ago, when I was working at SB Nation, we had a comment section where you could just you know write your own screen name, clownpenis.fart, right? And, um, and we thought, you know what? Facebook came to the company then and said, why don't we have Facebook comments? Because it'll be tied to your account. And we thought, well, there's, of course, ways to cheat that system, but you, you might get a lot less hate and just weird people and trolling and bad faith bullshit if you did that. And so they tried it, and it was the exact same bad. It did nothing to fix it, as a matter of fact. And so what you realize is there's a certain kind of protectiveness to it. Yes, in part, it also enables bad faith actors, but it also enables good faith ones too. Um, and it's sort of the benefit... The, the, the ways to fix it don't really get you very far versus the benefits of keeping some of it. Uh, Dan Henderson on your Mount Rushmore of MMA. Probably not. Masvidal, uh, what should he improve at? And does boxing provide the best technical striking base? Boxing, you got to pull everything from all different parts. But one thing that boxing really provides is just a sharpness of timing, a sharpness of movement, an understanding of distance in a real and direct way. And it just refines the abilities because remember they're trapped in this in this um, you know, four right angles. Your movement has to be crisp. You have to know. You, there's so many things that demands of you that open MMA striking typically does not. That if you can take some of those pieces, you can do a lot with it. But of course, you have to learn to fight a kickboxing range and how to incorporate all that in there as well. So, um, but I don't. The, 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 I don't think it's a coincidence that the better boxers in MMA tend to be the better strikers overall. Do you know that Snowpiercer is intended to be a dystopic sequel to Willy Wonka? I know it's supposed to be a dystopic uh, or dystopic um, interpretation of society's future. I don't know about Willy Wonka, but okay. As I mentioned, um, thanks to everybody who donated. I really appreciate it. Significant amount of money. I'm so happy about it. It'll all go to charity. So uh, appreciate that. Thank you to everyone who watched. Let me put this off here. Subscribe. Oops. Why is that up? Um, let's do this. Hang on. Hang on. Let's do this. There we go. Uh, okay. Thank you to everyone who watched. Thumbs up on the video. Subscribe to the channel. Tell folks about it. I will have some video content this weekend to post on the channel. Tonight, 10 p.m. on Morning Combat's channel, episode two, Classic Combat. Me and Brian Campbell drinking, watching uh, Corrales Castillo 1 and 2. Don't miss it. It'll be a ton of fun. One of the greatest boxing fights literally ever. And folks have asked, oh, are they going to put some strike force fights in those eventually? It's coming. It's coming. So be on the lookout for that. Um, some idiot writes, Luke, why were you happy UFC 249 got canceled? I wasn't and never expressed any glee anywhere, not once. And then lastly, what fighter's public views has impressed you the most in the situation? Uh, gotta be uh, Max Holloway, um, Aljamain Sterling, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but yeah, like that. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching. Until next time, stay frosty.